Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of the Carrots and Cake podcast. So this episode is actually a special one because it's a replay of an interview that I did with Sarah from Grassified. And if you haven't heard of the brand, um, she and her company make these amazing grain-free snack bars. They are so, so tasty. Um, She sent me some last year and ever since then, I've just been a huge fan. The Empower Bar is especially delicious. It's made from all wholesome ingredients, all real ingredients. It's very tasty and satisfying. Um, In fact, you actually need to store them in the refrigerator because they are just a fresh food. Um, And they are great as a snack. They pair well with iced coffee. Um, And they're perfect like if you just want like a bite of something sweet after a meal. They're not overly sweet by any means, but they almost remind me of just like a healthified cookie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they're very nice. They're um, thick and chewy. And like I said, you keep them in the fridge. So they are just good quality bars. Um, And if you're interested in trying them out, you can save 10% with the code CNC10. Um, I do highly recommend them. Um, It's definitely one of those bars that if you try them once, you will be addicted. (laughs) Like you will want them in your fridge at all times. Um, So anyway, Sarah and I had such a great conversation. Um, We have very similar thinking on a lot of things as far as food and health and wellness and diet culture and macros and business and all that good stuff. So I think you guys will really like our conversation. Um, So I just wanted to give you a little background on Sarah and what she's all about. So I have her bio here. Um, So I will introduce her a little bit and then we will lead right into our interview. So Sarah McLaughlin is a holistic nutritionist, health writer, wellness entrepreneur, and yoga and fitness teacher based in Richmond, Virginia. For years, she has been coaching clients on the importance of holistic health and nutrition. Her practice is inspired by her passion of educating others how to live healthier lives. She understands that when it comes to health, there is no one size fits all. Therefore, she uses an individual informative and supportive approach to help guide clients to achieve their goals and make sustainable changes. In her practice, she primarily focuses on areas such as weight loss, emotional eating, food intolerances, digestive issues, and increasing feelings of energy and overall well-being. In early January 2019, after publishing her first cookbook, she and her husband Alex launched their natural food companies Gratified, fueled by their desire to make more of an impactful impactful change in the packaged food space. Gratified is founded on the mission that there can be a world where nutrition and convenience coexist. In June of 2020, Sarah created her online magazine, Healthified, to be a space to share and educate across holistic health topics. 
Before obtaining her certification as a holistic nutrition consultant, she worked in sales and marketing in both the banking and natural food industries. She graduated from the University of Virginia with a BA in economics and received her master's in elementary education from Mary Baldwin College. So that is Sarah in a nutshell. Um, Like I said, I really enjoyed our conversation and I think you guys will be able to resonate with a lot of what we talk about. So I hope you enjoy this episode and feel free to check out the show notes for more about about Grassified, that awesome discount, and where to find Sarah. All right. Hi, Tina. Hey, how's it going? Good. I am so excited to have you on this Healthified chat today. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, this is Tina. She is the owner of Carrots and Cake. um, And what started off as a blog has evolved into a online resource for wellness. And through Carrots and Cake, Tina has created this amazing um, nutrition and fitness community for women with services that include coaching and programs. And she also just reached Uh, launched her podcast, which is really so excited. And she is a published author and certified personal trainer as well. So lots of things going on. Um, So Tina, with that, if you could just tell a little bit more about your background and story and how you got to where you are. Yeah, for sure. So yes, I'm Tina Hoppert. I'm the woman behind the Carrots and Cake brand. And yeah, I started um, almost 13 years ago. So it'll be 13 years on Wednesday, um, February 3rd, which is actually National Carrot Cake Day, which I think is so funny and like the best coincidence ever. Um, And I didn't even realize it was a national holiday until many years after starting Carrots and Cake. Um, But I started as a blogger. I was engaged to be married and I just wanted to shape up and look good for my wedding day. And I started basically an online journal of just what I was eating and my workouts and favorite recipes. And I always joke that I had all this information, but it was in a binder. So it was like pages printed off the internet or ripped out of magazines. And I just wanted to be organized. And so I just wanted to put it online. Um, So I very much started the blog as uh, a personal hobby. And then over the years, it really started to grow and take off. And more and more people read all sorts of opportunities came about. Um, I've written three books now. Um, I have traveled all over the world. I have met people, celebrities, other bloggers. I really have kind of done a ton because of this little old website that I started. Um, And then over the years, you know, I started to get emails from Uh, women, um, just having conversations with women. And they just seemed like they were struggling so much as far as it as, you know, diet, lifestyle, exercise, just so many questions. Um, So I actually started doing one-on-one coaching. It was kind of just a natural progression. Um, And then over the years, I've really refined that approach. I started with macros um, as far as like macronutrition and tracking your macros and things like that. Um, But with working with women, I realized it wasn't necessarily the women who were quote unquote, you know, hitting their macros that were getting to their goals. I mean, really a lot goes into body 
composition changes. Um, and I just wanted to know why, you know what I mean? Like why were some women having so much trouble losing weight while others, you know, it was a lot easier for them. So I became um, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Um, so I did a certification. So now I have access to all sorts of great functional tests. Um, so a lot of the time I'm doing hormonal testing on the women I work with, um, where we are looking at their sex hormones, but also, you know, their cortisol levels, their melatonin levels, um, things like that. So it really just helps us pinpoint what's going on inside the body outside just the normal, hey, you got to eat healthy, exercise, that type of stuff. Um, so my approach, even though I still use macros as a tool, um, it's a lot more holistic and functional in that sense. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I've also um, offered a number of fitness programs, at-home fitness programs, things like that. But again, it's just gone back to the women who I've had conversations with um, and just what people need and want. So I definitely kind of cater to the women who are into health and fitness, but don't have all the time in the world to make it happen. So I'm all about efficient, quick workouts. Yeah. I love that. And there's so much in your story that I want to unpack and especially just how great it is that you've been able to shape your career out of something that, as you said, started as a hobby and um, just kind of like listening to what your audience wanted and how you were able to like kind of unfold your brand from there to start offering these services. And I'm sure like you still have a whole long pathway to go with what it can be. Um, And you know, before I move on to kind of breaking some of that stuff down, I just kind of want to tell you um, just my personal story with your blog and how I've been reading probably since 2008, 2009. Um, It was probably what, yeah, it was probably one of the first healthy living blogs that I stumbled upon. Um, And I had just graduated college in 2008. um, And throughout college, I had a lot of problems with kind of disordered eating and over-exercising. And looking back on it now, I know that it was more about like needing to find control in because other areas of my life were so unbalanced. Um, but I remember reading yours and just being like, oh my gosh, like she has just a positive relationship with food. Like she's not sitting there with like, like I would like write stuff down and weigh myself every day. And there was so much compulsion and negativity and stress and anxiety around it. And from what I saw from you, I was like, there is another way to approach your relationship with food. So I just wanted to tell you that because it was so impactful for me and just kind of got me on this better pathway with, you know, my relationship with food. Um, so it's so fun for me to be able to say thank you in person. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I'm so glad. I mean, those were, you know, the early days of blogging. So I, I love to hear that. Yeah. Um, So along those lines, I talk a lot about food relationships. Um, When I was health coaching one-on-one, it was kind of like the foundation of how I would work with women. Um, You know, Gratified actually got its name because of my love of like instilling more positive mindsets around food just because, you know, grateful and satisfied. And um, I do think that food relationship plays such a big role. It's not just about what you're eating, but how you're eating. Um, so do you find that your food, your relationship with food kind of changed with having a food blog and, um, how did it kind of evolve? Not only like in the way you emotionally perceived your food, but what you actually ate. Oh yeah, it has completely changed like a hundred percent. And I mean, it's gone through phases too. 
Um, so obviously 13 years, thank goodness it's changed over the years. Yeah. You know, if it didn't change, that'd probably be a problem. Um, but yeah, in those early days, I was paying a lot more attention to calories, just making sure I was eating, mm-hmm. you know, X number of calories and it didn't really matter the food source. So I was yeah. eating light and fit yogurt with kashi cereal and like fiber one bars stuff that had like just a lot of fake ingredients like super duper processed but they were low in calories um and i didn't pay attention to macros or nutrients at all like i probably wasn't really eating any protein back then i probably wasn't really paying attention to like how much fiber i was getting um which now you know we know are kind of foundational as far as good health um and then over the years you know I definitely have a lot more holistic take on what I'm eating. I also have an autoimmune disorder, so we can talk about that too, but I have ulcerative colitis. So, you know, I'm very aware of what I'm eating and what I'm putting in my body. And I would say probably like 80 to 90% of what I eat nowadays is is straight up whole foods. Like I'm not eating any processed stuff. Like I just don't anymore. Not to say that I don't eat any, um, because yeah, there's a place and time for those delicious, wonderful foods, you know, to have like, I don't know, nachos or a cookie or ice cream. And I do have those things. It's just, it's a smaller part of my diet. And I really don't pay attention to like calories. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to like hit my bases as far as like macronutrients go, like getting enough protein, getting enough good carbs, getting enough fat. Um, but I'm not obsessed with the calories like I used to be. Yeah. And, you know, and I always tell people just keeping, you know, those macronutrients in mind, but also your satiety levels. So you don't need to count calories if you're kind of eating in a more mindful way in the fact that you're able to walk away from a meal feeling energized and not overly stuffed. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. And that's what I do with our one on one clients is that, you know, we're really having them pay attention to how certain balances of food make them feel. So, not necessarily like, I don't know, like not calories. We're not saying like, hey, you need to have a 500 calorie meal. It's more like, let's get, you know, protein, carbs, and fat on your plate and see how that makes you feel after you eat it. And then also just paying attention to that biofeedback that if you have, you know, X, Y, and Z for breakfast, and then you go work out, like, how does that affect your workout? Like, do you feel great? Do you feel crappy? Um, But really being in tune with like how certain foods and combinations of foods make you feel. Yeah. And so tell me more a little bit about macros and macro counting and and things like that, because, you know, coaching and especially with gratified, like we definitely encourage blood sugar balance, right? And that's the healthy fat fiber protein, making sure those macros are balanced with every meal and snack. Um, But I feel as if macros, like there's almost something different about it, or it's just a little bit in its plan of its own, if you will. I don't like to use the word plan, but will you tell me more about that? Yeah, 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 for sure. So macros, I think, get a really bad rap. And I 100% believe it's how you use them. And there's companies out there that will just give you a set of macros, send you on your way, and your whole goal is to just hit those macros day after day. So hit your macros, macro harder, and if you do that, you'll get results. And like that is not our approach at all. Sure, we can give you some sort of macro Mm -hmm. goals and guidance, but at the end of the day, those macros are data for you to figure out, you know, what's working, what's not working. Um, So paying attention to, you know, how much protein you're getting, how much fiber, how much fat, and then taking that information and really seeing if it, if it's, 
serves you, you know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like, are those foods working for you? So yeah, we are not the, you got to hit your macros type coaches. Um, and really we use macros as a tool. It's definitely not required. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of ways to, you know, be aware of your food choices without tracking every little thing that you're eating. Um, but we really do take like a holistic approach, like making sure you're getting enough sleep and managing your stress and getting enough activity but not stretching out your body. So like right. the macros are important as tool and data, but they're definitely not the be all end all of, you know, what we do with our clients. Yeah. And I feel as if obviously you probably take, or what it sounds like you take a very individualistic approach. So it would probably depend on someone's individual goals. Like if they wanted to gain muscle or if they wanted to lose weight, or they just wanted more even keel energy. So Tell me more about how that changes with, like, do you work with like a niche of clients like that? Or like what kind of different various goals do you see with the clients that you work with? And then how do you kind of cater? What tools do you use? Do you have them like journal, write, you know, put pen to paper, things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say the majority of women, I pretty much only work with women. I mean, I've worked with a few men here and there, but it kind of depends on the situation. Like I'm not an expert when it comes to men's health, Um, but I would say majority are women. Um, Most come to us for some sort of weight loss or Mm -hmm. that goal of, you know, toning up. We get that one a lot too, which, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously you got to eat more to get some muscle. Um, Yeah, I would say weight loss is the main thing. But now that I'm doing more of the functional nutrition and doing the hormonal testing, sometimes it really goes back to making sure you're eating enough because your body needs to be healthy enough for it to lose weight. Um, And, you know, we have women coming to us eating, you know, 1300 calories and doing orange theory six times a week. And I'm like, you know, you're probably doing more so stress good yeah. and you're not going to lose any weight until your body is in a healthy place. So a lot of the times it is like talking people off a ledge, you know, walking them through like a reverse diet and really getting their calories up to a place where they're, you know, fueling their body properly and then, you know, working on the fat loss, but it can take like a really long time. I mean, it could take, you know, six months, a year, year and a half. So it's, it takes time, but again, it depends on the client and kind of where they've been as far as their dieting history goes. Yeah. And I imagine, I mean, I saw this a lot in my practice too, because I feel like in our society, you know, a lot of people want those quick fixes. Mm -hmm. And so when you kind of are coaching someone and you're trying to encourage them to be patient, that it's going to take time. Like I'm sure I saw a lot of resistance, you know, and, and I don't know if you did too, but you know, and it reminds me of kind of like the dieting restricting mindset that so many women still, um, have. And, you know, can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause I know you work a lot with metabolism and, and getting people away from that mindset. Can you talk about how it's damaging, you know, physically and emotionally to someone's, you know, metabolism and relationship with food? Yeah. Yeah. So I always say like, you can't diet forever. And I think that's the cycle that a lot of women fall into that. They just think that they just need to keep cutting calories, adding more cardio, and they just keep doing that, trying to get the results that they want. And the body doesn't work like that. The body is actually really, really smart. And if you are cutting calories, increasing exercise, like your body is going to hold on to all the fat and hold on to everything because it really just wants to keep you alive. And honestly, like your body is going to be getting stressed out. Um, and when your body is stressed, you know, your sex hormones take, your thyroid could get a little bit angry and it really does just make it that much harder to lose weight. So for a lot, I would say 
probably like half our clients come to us really, really just under eating, over exercising. Um, so getting them on some sort of plan where they are slowly increasing their calories. And I think that can be really hard for people because it's so counterintuitive to be like, oh, I'm going to lose fat, but I have to eat more and work out less. And it really is hard to wrap your brain around it. So that's why it's nice to have a coach because you do have that support. You can kind of like talk somebody off a ledge if they're, you know, having a tough week, but sometimes you do need to see the scale go up a little bit. You know, it doesn't usually increase a ton when you're doing a reverse, but getting your calories to a place where you do have some room to cut from there. Cause I mean, obviously being in some sort of calorie deficit is, you know, what, can cause the body to lose body fat, but you, you can't just keep cutting calories from like a 1200 calorie diet. Like where right. are you going to go from there? Are you going to eat right. calories? Like right. that doesn't make sense for long-term health. Yeah. Do you hear a lot of fear around food? Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. And especially when we're increasing calories, like I have a couple um, clients right now who have um, thyroid stuff going on. And, you know, when I start looking at what's going on with the thyroid, you know, you see um, the under eating, the over exercising, and like, they know rationally that they need to eat more to take care of their body, but it's so hard for them to see the scale even go up like one pound. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is mindset stuff. And we do talk about that a lot. Like what does that number on the scale mean, you know, and right. what happens if that number on the scale goes up, what does that mean to you? Do, what does it say about yourself? Does it say yes. anything about you? Right. Um, but really digging into like the mindset piece of it. And of course that's not going to change overnight. If you think about it, it's been decades of our life you know, having like just diet culture programmed into our brains, but having people, you know, take five minutes or 10 minutes just to like write it down or dig into some of those thoughts can make all the difference. And I really do think like the place where we excel is probably the mindset stuff. I mean, I've definitely yes. worked with clients where the scale has stayed the same for six months, but they have such a better approach in relationship with food that they just feel so much better about everything. Because so. there's a freedom in that. I mean, it's just so liberating when you can improve that because it doesn't have these like shackles around you because I mean, truth be told, we need to eat three times a day, if not more. So can you imagine coming face to face with those like self-deprecating thoughts in your head in something that we need to do in order to survive, you know, and like, those are very strong emotions. And, um, you know, I'm actually writing a book about this because I, I think like, and very in alignment with what you're saying about like the stories that you're telling yourself and what it means for you as a person. And, you know, and after like what, six or seven years of therapy for me and like life coaching, like I can now like start to like unpack what the things that I was telling myself and just how it was just another thing that I was achieving. Right. When, um, but yeah, I mean, it can just like the, the emotions that we come face to face with in a poor relationship with food, like guilt and shame, like that, those aren't emotions that we're meant to feel in the face of something that we need for survival. So it's just, I, I'm, I just want to applaud you for your work in this area, because I think it's so important in order to help people disentangle from that, because without consciousness for it, I feel like people are so in it that it's just so normalized. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure.
and even just the way we think about food. I mean, I'm just, this is coming from like an IBD perspective as far as colitis, but like being afraid of food, I mean, or being, you know, feeling guilty or whatever it is, like thinking those thoughts can have like a physical effect on your body. Um, So, you know, not thinking of food as something bad, but really thinking of it as something that is nourishing. And it sounds like kind of cheesy and hokey, but like, your brain controls so much as far as what goes on with your health, your digestion, things like that. So having like a positive take on how food is going to affect your body really can make all the difference. For sure. And I, and I would talk about that too, in my practice about, you know, the power of your thoughts and your beliefs and how that all plays a role and how you feel physiologically and your stress response and all that stuff. And people would look at me like I have three heads because we've just heard for decades, like it's calories in calories out. What are you talking about? I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like you are a holistic being that with all of these systems in tandem. Yeah. And imagine if it was that simple, that actually kicks off my mentorship is just talking about, imagine if it was as simple as calories in calories out, like we would have all these problems about weight loss all the time. (laughs) Exactly. We would all be set. Um, It's that simple, but (laughs) it's not that simple. (laughs) So I do want to talk about your UC, but before I do, I'd be curious to hear um, like thinking about a client that you've worked with that kind of came from one end of the spectrum and you helped kind of coach through, like, can you think of someone that was just like a success story for you in terms of like achieving goal achievement, no matter how long it took? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one client, she actually became a pretty good friend of mine. I'm very close with my clients. We talk a lot, Um, but she was- I lost your sound. Oh, am I back? I don't know how I lost your sound. Oh. Is it okay or- All right, we're back. So we have the sound um, and Tina was gonna tell us about a client success story. Yes, so uh, yeah, this one client, she was kind of the, I don't wanna say classic, but very, very common challenges. Um, she was you know, working out six days a week. She was doing um, Peloton um, and then she was doing a little bit of strength training, but she really was focused on those workouts. This was during the pandemic too, when you know it was hard to get to the gym, um, but she was working out pretty hard and she was actually telling me that the workouts would make her really tired. Like she needed to lay down afterwards. And I was just like, mm, this doesn't sound like a good type of exercise if it's exhausting you because really like exercise should make you feel good. You shouldn't feel totally crushed after working out. Um, And she was kind of under eating. I mean, it wasn't like she was like super duper low in calories, but we increased her calories. Um, And at first she was very resistant to adding more calories, working out less, just because, you know, what diet culture has told her. And it was very, very hard, you know, to wrap her brain around that. And initially she did see the scale go up a little bit, but you know, the more and more we talked about it, the more and more she kind of came around to it. Um, and there was actually a week where she got sick or like she had little kids. So like the whole house was sick and she did, you know, lay off her workouts just because she wasn't feeling that great. But she told me after that week of like taking off you know, from those workouts that she felt so much better. And she was like, okay, maybe you're onto something as far as like cutting back on the exercise. Um, And it took, you know, we worked together for six months. So, I mean, it was very much trial and error and probably towards maybe it was like month four of working together, four or five, somewhere in there, she started to see the scale 
um, decreased, started to see her clothes fit better, her energy levels get better. Her, she had acne, her like skin cleared up, like all these things started happening. Um, and it really was because she started to work out less, um, eat more, prioritize her sleep. She actually laid off the caffeine and the alcohol, which was hard too. Um, but like over time, she started making these little changes and like, yeah, it took four or five months for her to like see progress, but she did. And I mean, once she finished, she was just like, thank you so much for just like guiding me through this because I couldn't have done it on my own just because yeah. of that like little voice in our heads that say exercise more eat less exercise more eat less um but yeah she really came around it I mean she just had great results and she just felt so so much better yeah and that's what I want to point out is just such a beautiful thing about having a coach because even though that's like little changes that happened over time it, it takes someone else to kind of like hold your hand through that. And I mean, that's what I think is so amazing about, you know, a coach and, um, and why kind of going the like RD route was never for me, because I don't feel like you get the same benefits. And with traditional like dietetics, like you're still kind of very focused on the calories. And that's a whole other story and tangent for another day. But I, I just think, <laughs> I think that just such a beautiful relationship to be able to kind of um, encourage and cheerlead someone through that change. And I also want to make the point, like, even though it takes time, yes, four to six months, even up to a year, like if you're establishing habits for sustainable change for the rest of your life, like that's not that much um, time in hindsight. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. And that's the thing. It doesn't happen overnight, but right. the way we coach, we do things very systematically. So like yeah. every single week you are checking in with yourself and yeah. from week to week, you might not see those big changes, but month to month, like you do start to see progress. And I know like everybody wants the quick fixes. They want to lose 10 pounds in four weeks or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just a healthy, sustainable, like fat loss or transformation as far as your body goes, it takes time. It takes like a really long time. Yeah. So just curious. So if she was working out less, did she shift to any more like gentle movement or was she just paring down the like more hardcore cardio? Yeah. So she laid off, she had the bike at home. So she laid off that. And then I think she was strength training maybe like twice a week or something like that. I think we mm -hmm. added a day in, but she just cut back on how much cardio she was doing. Um, she also had a stressful job. She's a lawyer. You know what I mean? Like she had a lot going on, little kids at home. So really just trying to like lower the stress on all levels, I think really made a difference for her. Yeah. Um, no. And, and even in a calorie counting society too, we're a very cardio focused society as well. So you know, really kind of shifting people away from that mindset to one that's like, yeah, eat more and work out less. Like it can be hard to wrap your head around, but I mean, I've seen it in myself um, and I've seen it in my clients and as you know, you, you've seen it in your clients as well. So there's something to it. Yes. <laughs> um, so I want to shift gears a little bit to your diagnosis with UC and I cannot say the whole world word correctly. So I'm not even going to botch it, but can you, um, talk a little bit more about that and how, um, you know, that diagnosis kind of changed your relationship with food and the way that you eat and how you kind of manage it currently. Yeah. So, so like, there's so many people out there that's probably struggling with, um, you know, similar 
issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a journey and a half. So I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2011. Um, and at the time, I felt like it came out of the blue. Um, and it's funny, the more I know about this disease, the more I know that it's not true. I'm pretty much like the poster child for getting IBD. Um, but yeah, it has been a journey. I have tried all the diets. I have tried all the treatments, all the supplements, and really nothing has totally worked. Um, I went through probably like four or five years where I was in remission thanks to a drug called Intivio. Um, and then just recently, this past November, it just stopped working. I don't know why. Um, sometimes the body just loses response to these drugs. Um, yeah. So now I'm kind of back to basics, trying to figure out, you know, what to do as far as getting things in control. So um, even just recently, I was very, very sick, you know, going to the bathroom, you know, 20 times a day, you know, just yeah. seeing blood and mucus in my stool. It's been, it's been rough. It's been rough to be totally honest, but um, I feel like I have a plan now, a plan of attack. Um, I'm working with a couple practitioners. Um, we've been doing testing. We've been trying different things out as far as diet and supplements. And now just being patient <laughs> as far yeah. as healing my body, um, just being gentle and giving myself grace as far as like what's going on, because I am kind of like that type A control freak. So I want to just like fix myself and just yeah. like make myself better. And it hasn't been that linear of a path at all, but just being kind of okay with trying things and just knowing that things are healing um, slowly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, just, try to have like a positive outlook with it all because there's there were definitely times in the past where this disease brought me to very very dark places mm -hmm. um and obviously it just didn't help anything so now I'm just trying to go with the flow and you know not freak out about every little thing yeah and I mean I'm sure it doesn't even really I, I get the type a thing and wanting to fix yourself but you're also very knowledgeable about food and nutrition so I can imagine that there would be some frustration there in terms of like knowing all these things and especially what you hear in this community, in this industry about like, oh, we'll just do paleo or just, you know, whole 30 or whatever, and you can heal your gut. And that's just what people need to understand is that everyone is so unique and different that just because it's what works for one person isn't going to work for another. Right. A hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, just being an FDN, I've learned that it's not like just one thing, it's, it's a lot of things and they all kind of add up. So yeah. even though I want it just to be the diet and if I can just like fix it with diet, I'll be good to go, but it's not just the diet. I mean, there's underlying, um, infections and pathogens and, you know, imbalanced bacteria and yeah. you know, SIBO and there's like a million things. So it really does just take time, um, smart people who I'm working with and just trying to like unravel it all and just figure out why my gut can't seem to get its act together. Yeah. So in kind of like a forward thinking question, like what are some of the things you're doing now, um, to kind of get you on that healing path and does like stress management play a role in this? Yes, for sure. And I have been working on the stress management for probably like a year now. Mm -hmm. I actually, I've done talk therapy over the years, um, but it just kind of fell off. I was just like, eh, whatever, you know, I don't really need it. And yeah. I started probably like this time last year, like right before the pandemic. So like the timing of it couldn't have been more perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just having um, those weekly meetings with my therapist have been really good as far as um, stress management and 
I'm kind of like a workaholic. <laughs> always in there myself. I'm recovering. Yes, I just yeah, recovering exactly. Yeah. Just trying to set better boundaries with my clients and my work. Um, and I do think that plays a big role. I mean, if you think about just like um, the parasympathetic system, system, yeah. the sympathetic system. If you are constantly like activating that over and over again, and I just think about you know how social media works and like always like you know, checking in with clients and things like that. Like you never give your system a chance to really relax. And that's like a hundred percent my personality. So yeah. just working through that and just really trying to have like off moments in my day and my weekends. Like I used to work every weekend. I've pretty much worked every weekend for 12 years, 12 out of the 13 years. Yeah. Um, and just waking up at like four in the morning to work. And it's just, I've set like a lot of boundaries. I don't wake up early anymore and weekends. I mostly don't work every once in a while. I'll, you know, put in a little time, but I'm really trying to find some balance there and just not working all the time. So that's been really, really huge for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And um, I could have said the same words too. And I feel as if, I don't know about you, but like, I feel like last year with COVID kind of helped instill in me more of a work-life balance. I don't know if you felt the same. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just because it's been bleeding over, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Work life, work life. But yeah, you have to like set some sort of boundaries for sure. Right. And when I wasn't, like the world would let me just be in that hustle and grind all of the time because you weren't like running back and forth to meetings and there weren't events and all the things and you were just forced to slow down. And so I was like, oh yeah, maybe I don't want to work on Saturdays and Sundays. And so I'm the same way. I um, I try and on the weekends, like there's like one day where I won't even look at email, which is just very liberating. And, um, and I, and I think what you said about like social media and our phones and the screen time, like, I don't think unless you're conscious of it, people understand the stress response that happens when you look at your device. And I even saw this in myself today. I had lost I didn't lose my phone. I had left it in a coat pocket yesterday from like four until when I left the house this morning. And I was like, where's my phone? And then I found it. And there was like all of these notifications. And I just, I felt my chest tighten. I was like, Ugh! you know, and I was just like, okay, you don't need to like, there's nothing to do. There's no fires to put out. Just take a deep breath and go through it one-on-one. -on -one. But yeah, people just, when I was coaching, that would be a question on my intake form. Like how often do you look at your phone? Because people get that stress response in their devices. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, just what I, I was more of an influencer back in the day, I guess I'm still technically kind of like an influencer. Yeah, you influence me, Tina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was on my phone all the time. I mean, I still kind of am on my phone all the time, but I mean, yeah. every time you're picking up your phone, you could have that stress response. And just what you were saying, like putting out fires, like that is pretty much my job. Like yeah. what today, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out all the time, but yeah, just constantly. Yeah. So I read a post that you actually published last week. And, you know, when I think about your blog and especially my experience with reading, being a reader and, you know, a balanced approach to life just comes to mind. And you do such a beautiful job of like incorporating humor and, you know, telling, you know, funny stories about your personal life and things like that. Um, but this post that you, um, put out last week was just like a year ago versus today and how you were overtraining and feeling really stressed out and experiencing blood sugar mismanagement. So um, I imagine you've gone through periods of life where you didn't feel balanced. Mm -hmm. So 
you don't really have to go into the nitty gritty, but what are some things or some tools that you apply when you feel that way in order to get back to like more of a good feeling place? Yeah, I mean, what happened last year like was a disaster and that really made me slow down. I mean, I just was one of the, like type A personality, like go, go, go all the time. I can take on more, I can do everything. Um, but yeah, I basically like screwed up my body. Like I gained a ton of weight. I gained like, I don't know, 15 pounds in three months. Like it came on very, very quickly. I was having blood sugar issues. I was waking up in the middle of the night hungry um, just because I couldn't keep my blood sugar balanced. I was laying on the couch after a workout because I was so tired. Um, and it just took all of these like big symptoms um, for me to finally realize that I like I needed to slow down. Oh yeah, I was getting night sweats every night. I think that was kind of like the nail in the coffin as far as like, yeah. I should be having the night sweats every single night. This is probably bad. Yeah, which is very hormonal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My hormones were just a disaster. Um, and then also blood sugar. If your blood sugar gets that low, I mean, it's it makes sense. But yeah, I could not get my blood sugar regulated no matter what I did because I was so stressed. And then doing orange theory and waking up at some crazy hour. But long story short, it took me a long time to figure out like I was really like hurting my body. Like I was really messing things up. Um, but I think for me, it really was prioritizing sleep. Um, and at that point, you know, I was waking up at four o'clock every single morning um, to work. I was writing a cookbook at the time. So working on that, working on client stuff. Um, but then I was just like, this is it. Like I'm going to bed at nine, nine 30 and I'm sleeping, you know, till six, six 30, like every day and just made it like such a priority. Um, and then just kind of what we were talking about, just setting boundaries. Like that was huge. It was like, you know, six o'clock at night, I'm not looking at my phone anymore. You know what I mean? And I'll yeah. put the little timers on my app. So they're all like grayed out. So I won't, you know, click on them. You can still click on them, but. Yeah. <laughs> and then it'll be like, ignore this. And you're like, darn it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like really setting those boundaries, not working on the weekends because I, I just, my whole body was messed up. Like I just, everything, like my skin was breaking out. Like I just gained all this belly fat, like practically overnight. Like it was just nuts. Like I didn't even know like whose body I was in. I was like, what happened? And it happened quickly. It was probably like three months span from mm -hmm. just being my normal self to, I don't even know who I was. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was, I, I keep calling it like a health crisis <laughs> just because it was like so extreme, but it took me a while to like actually figure out what was going on and like to actually stop the insanity. Yeah. And I feel as if, again, like it, it does take tuning into your body to be able to pick up on those signals because people think that to be stressed or to feel harried throughout their days, like it's almost normalized in our yeah. society and to like have an upset stomach or, you know, like even just think back to friends in college who had IBD, it probably didn't know it at the time, but they were like, oh, this is just the way that my stomach has always been or, um, you know, just not dealing with anxiety, you know, in the best way possible. And I'm the same way with that 4am wake up call. I actually Googled last week, why am I waking up at 4am every single day? But it, and it's very connected to anxiety actually. And so, um, have you been able to resolve that by the way? Do you, are you able to sleep at night? And please tell yeah. me your secrets. 
Yes. But I mean, it took a lot of trial and error. Yeah. But I think for me, it's really having some sort of like wind down routine at night, which again, yeah. pokey and people are like, yeah, yeah, I know I need to do that. But mm -hmm. I'm like pretty strict about it. Like I wear those blue blocker glasses while I'm watching TV. Yeah. Um, I don't scroll on my phone anymore. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I'll have like a mug of tea or I'll take like a hot shower. I'll get my PJs. Love like that. I really do have like this wind down routine because if you think about it, we're all running around like lunatics all day, dinner time, kids, whatever it is. Yeah. And then like we go to bed and it's like, yeah. you don't really give your system a chance. to just calm down. Um, so I'll read, I have like a diffuser that has essential oils in it. Like I do like all the things and yeah. difference. It really does. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's taken time though. I mean, it's taken like a year to kind of like perfect this routine, but, um, it, it does make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, I think about wine down and I think about my wine down because that would be like my, that would be my evening. It would just like, it would help kind of like create the boundaries and from work to home. And my husband and I would, you know, share a bottle of wine. And then I realized that, oh, this isn't helping my sleep any. Yeah. So I've cut that habit, but just being able to, um, implement those more like self-care Mm -hmm. practices uh, you've inspired me so I definitely need to because I mean I'm trying to go home and actually like read a book and yeah. you know I can't I haven't gotten on the tea train yet but like I want to and I don't have a bathtub but if I did that would definitely be part of it yeah. um yeah and it's not perfect you know what I mean it's not yeah. like every night I do all the things I mean there's some yeah. nights that I'm like I'm so tired I'm not reading I'm just gonna go to bed or you know I don't have time for a mug of tea because I'm hanging out with my son or whatever it right. is but um, just kind of getting into that mindset where you're just like, all right, it's time to chill and like stop the mental to-do list and just right. be present and yeah, just wind down as much as possible. And I think that's also people needing to give themselves compassion that if they didn't get through everything that they needed to get through or check off every single to-do, like there's always tomorrow and telling yourself that you did enough and you did the best you can can kind of yeah. help. Well. Yeah, yeah. And with my clients, I have them go to like the worst case scenario. I think sometimes that's like mm. kind of gives you perspective, like, all right, if you didn't do this thing, like what's the worst thing that can yes. happen? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you rescheduled the meeting or like, you right. know, I don't know, spend half an hour in the morning working on it or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like the worst case scenario is really never that bad. Yeah. Um, so I think just giving people perspective, sometimes it helps. That's such a good mental trick. Um, so do you ever feel as if you kind of, cause I think with any health journey, right? There's almost this kind of um, play between the short-term wants and the long-term needs and knowing that like, what is more beneficial and serving to you, you have to kind of what I call play the whole tape. Like you kind of got to think through more of the long-term benefits. Do you ever wrestle with kind of like the short-term instant gratification versus what you know you need to do in order to reap longer-term benefits? Yes and no. I think I was more like, I just want the quick fix, like, especially yeah. with like the IBD, um, right. stuff like, yeah, I wanted the quick fix. And I remember like thinking back to those early days when I was first diagnosed and like, I wanted to work with like a holistic practitioner, you know what I mean? But I didn't want to put in six months of my life and I didn't want to spend the money. And like, I would go to a doctor and be like, give me drugs. You know what I mean? Give yeah. me steroids or whatever it was, because I just wanted to be better instantly. And yeah. now, you know, it's been almost 10 years now I'm like, all right, I'm okay with putting in the time. And like, I know it can take 
a year or two years or five years to get better. But I think it's because I've been through all the stuff and I just know that those quick fixes just don't work. And so it's kind of like the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same things over and over again, expecting right. different results. And that's kind of where I've been. You know what I mean? Like I keep trying these quickie fixes, trying to do these little things that are going to work and then they don't. So I'm kind of at that point now where, you know, I signed on with a practitioner for six months. I'm like, you know what, this is probably going to take another six months of us working together and I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. this could take a year or longer to fix me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more in it for the long game. So especially when working with clients, I, I really do try to instill that right off the bat, that this is not a quick fix and that you really need to be an active participant in the whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah, yeah, I mean, you could hire a coach, but I mean, if they just tell you what to do and you're really not using your brain and thinking about like what works best for you, it's not gonna, it's not going to be sustainable or work for you long-term. So I'm really big on just being personally being very autonomous in my decisions and just what I'm doing, but then also, you know, instilling that in my clients too, that they need to be involved and accountable to themselves. I just think it's so important. I think that's so great because I definitely hear some synergy there. And I know that when um, sometimes we coach and we say the things that we know that we also need to hear. So do you feel as if like having that dynamic and having those conversations with your clients is also like constant reminders of the things that you need to do for you? A hundred percent. And I mean, it's like practice what you preach. And I think I am pretty good with that, but I mean, it's definitely like, it's like, you know, you know, you want to quote unquote, want to be healthy and you know what you should do, but it's like actually doing those things. Um, yeah, I have, you know, two health coaches that I work with and then a business coach. Um, I think it is just good as far as, you know, having these conversations, but that's that level of accountability where, you know, you are paying somebody, it's like energetically to be like, help me with this thing, but also having somebody there to encourage and support you, but then just be accountable to them. Because a lot of the times we like know what to do, but we don't do it. So um, it's just important to like have somebody there to, you know, light a fire under your butt. Yes, exactly. I say that all the time about how in every single initial consultation I did, nine times out of 10, someone would come in and be like, I know what to do, but, and so again, I just want to reiterate like the amazing thing about having a coach is to really pull out of you what you know what to do to keep you accountable and motivated. Mm -hmm, 100%. Yep. And then just giving them like the how and the what, like, how do you get there? What do you do? Um, But just sometimes like nailing those things down because yeah, like that whole idea of like, oh, I'm going to eat healthy, but it's like, how do you do that? What do you eat? Right. Um, Just really helping people identify those things because yeah, that idea can be really overwhelming. if like, you've never meal prepped or you don't like to cook or, you know, you don't know the difference between organic and conventional food. There's like things to cover. Yeah. For sure. So there can be like that knowledge gain too. And working with someone who actually is just so well-versed in um, this area. So shifting gears a little bit to carrots and cake, Um, just you've been upkeeping that brand and website for 13 years. That is amazing. And that takes a lot of creativity and a lot of content. Um, And, you know, it's now this awesome community for women. Um, And like even just kind of hearing you talk about it, obviously it had to evolve and change over the past 13 years. Mm-hmm. Has that evolution kind of flowed naturally for you? Did you ever come up 
to any resistance like oh but I just want to keep blogging or or did it did it just what did it feel more natural I think it was natural for me mm-hmm. <laughs> my readers would have a different take on that like I've I think the majority of people who have followed me for years have been very cool about all the transitions and have supported me and have done my programs and, you know, things like that. Um, There's definitely been some pushback as far as me not blogging every single day. And I do get some kind of like negative, nasty comments about how I've changed and, you know, how I, you know, owe certain people, you know, certain content for my life because they followed for so long. I've gotten you know, some crazy comments over the years, but I'm kind of like, okay with it. I mean, like, if you like me, you like me and you're going to follow my journey. And if you don't agree with my, the changes I've made, then, you know, maybe you're not for me and I'm not for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've, yeah. I've been like pretty, pretty cool with like the transitions. And this is, that's a thing. Like, this is what I've always wanted to do. And when I think about like what I want to do for like the rest of my life, like this is it. Like I want to yeah women figure out their stuff and the fact that I can you know give you know or offer testing to people to give them more information like it's like the best of both worlds and I mean I love it every time I get a new test and I get to read it and give people recommendations it's like the best I just like love it so it's been very natural for me and I mean like I said this is like what I want to do like that's awesome. That's amazing to be able to find that place and, um, and just feel like you have that passion and purpose when you wake up every day. Mm-hmm. So, um, how did becoming a mom affect like you as an entrepreneur? Cause Quinn is what, like, it's going to be that I know this six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be seven in June. Yeah. Oh, wow. My baby. Um, yeah that transition was tough to be honest because I think just being a naive young mom I was like oh I'll have a baby and I'll be able to work and it'll be fine and now like you have a baby and like all those ideas of working and whatnot just like go out the window and (laughs) I actually thought I could do both you know what I mean being all in on carrots and cake and having a baby and it was a disaster you know and I didn't didn't want to send my kid to daycare you know what I mean like I just like cried about it every day and then it just got to the point where I was like, I need help. I can't, can't take care of a baby and work at the same time. And, you know, my income is like the majority of our family's income. So for me to like not work was not an option either. Um, So yeah, like that whole transition to getting him to daycare and everything that was like so hard being a mom and being like, I don't want somebody else watching my kid, but at the same time, like I need this to happen. So that was tough, but I mean, um, now we're, you know, we're at a much better balance because he's in school. Right. Um, so, you know, I do have time to work, but again, it's very condensed, like how many hours I'm working. Yeah. Um, so I just have to be, you know, as efficient as possible. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, just that buzzword of asking for help when you need it and showing yourself some grace. I mean, I'm sure it just comes, um, in handy when you're a mom and you're a working mom at that. So, um, yeah. and I didn't take a maternity leave. So there's like a lot of things I screwed up in the beginning. <laughs> I just kept working. It's probably easy to do because it's like, it's so such uncharted territory. Totally. I was like, I can handle it. I can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From what I hear that period for like two months, three months afterwards, it's like, you need oh, to. Yeah. You don't sleep. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, so how do you come up with inspiration for your content that you put out? Honestly, it comes from my one-on-one -on -one clients usually just mm -hmm. like working with clients or, you know, DMS in my inbox and just yep. paying attention to what people are struggling with or the questions that they're asking. Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah, there's so much confusion, confusion out there as far as like diet culture, but then like hormonal health and just, I almost feel like it's kind of like normalized at this point that if you have like PMS symptoms or whatever, it's just like, it's just your hormones and it's just something you have to deal with. Um, so just making women aware that they don't need to feel like crap. And there are things that they can do with their nutrition and lifestyle to help them feel better. Um, yeah. I think that's like really important. That's kind of where I am as far as like what my message is, because I just feel like even me, like just looking back at my, you know, health history, like there was a good chunk of time there where I was having all sorts of hormonal imbalance. And I just felt so bad. Like, I just felt like my moods were all, all over the place. Like I'd fight with my husband for no reason. I'd yeah. you know, yell at the dog. I just yeah. felt like I was so unstable. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like hormones, just being like all over the place and just imbalanced. So yeah. um, just helping women in that sense. But I do think like so much can be done as far as like nutrition and lifestyle that can make such a difference. For sure. And also having that information that you provide. I mean, information is power to be able to take those steps that you need in order to get back to that more balanced place. Yeah. 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 For sure. And then, you know, telling your doctor that you don't need birth control to feel better. That sense of empowerment to be able to speak mm -hmm. up like that. Yeah. Be your own advocate. Um, so just a couple more questions. So you just launched a podcast mm -hmm. and I hear that you just from what I'm hearing, you just feel like you're in your perfect place. Like, do you have other business aspirations on where you would want to take your brand and, and business, or do you feel as if you could just keep trucking along with what you're doing currently? I mean, yeah, love what I'm doing right now. Um, I have hired a couple coaches, um, to help me out as far as coaching. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're loaded up with clients right now, <laughs> but I think it's the future love to add like another FDN practitioner just so we can spread out the number of clients. Um, cause right now, um, I do have a lot of clients that I'm personally working with, but, um, my, the two coaches on my team aren't FDNs. They are, you know, um, nutrition coaches, personal trainers. They have a ton of expertise, but they don't do the testing and things like I do. Yeah. So maybe expanding to just adding one more member to my team. Um, and then, yeah, trying to grow that podcast. I mean, I launched it, I was all in. And then, you know, with the new year and everything, it's been yeah. crazy just because everybody's, you know, wants to get healthy in the new year. So I've been like, so busy. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the two big things. And then maybe expanding my workout programs, because I've really had a good time doing that. Um, and the feedback has been really great. Like people just like my style of workout. Yeah. So I do have another workout program coming out in April. Um, and we're doing like a really big push for that one. So just expanding my offerings in that sense, um, with workout programs, courses, things like that. So um, but yeah, just continuing to keep doing what I'm doing on the coaching front, but just expanding some of those other areas. That's amazing. You have so many things in the hopper and just sounds like it's going to be a really exciting year for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before I ask my final question, which I ask everybody, um, where can people find you um, if they wanted to connect? So I'm at carrotsandcake.com. So carrots, the letter N, and then cake.com. And then I'm carrots and cake on Instagram, carrots and cake on Facebook. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, but there's not too much on there. And 
I'm on Twitter, but again, not on there. So mostly um, the blog and Instagram are the big places to find me. Okay, great. And I'm going to link those um, places up in the article. Um, and then because I have a personal fascination with morning routines, I always ask, what is your morning routine? So my morning routine. So I wake up usually my husband wakes me up or my son wakes me up. It kind of depends on the morning. Um, but get up. Um, I don't check my phone until 7 a.m., which has been really nice. I have all the apps turned off. Um, so that morning, we I usually get up between like 6:15, 6:30, somewhere in there. Um, I drink a ton of water first thing take my supplements, like my meds, like all that stuff. Um, and then I pour myself a cup of coffee and like an iced coffee, of course. And that really is like the best part of my morning. I don't think I'll ever not do that. Um, and then, yeah, after that, just, you know, feeding the dog, getting my son ready for school, making him breakfast, making him lunch. Um, sometimes I'll listen to a podcast in the morning. Um, kind of just depends on the morning. Sometimes I just listen to music. Um, I usually do a little Instagram stuff in the morning while my son's eating breakfast and getting ready for the day. And then he gets on the bus um, at a little after eight. And then usually I work out, um, kind of depends. I don't work out a ton anymore. I'm probably like three days a week, but if I have a workout, I'll go do that. If not, um, I'll do a longer walk with my dog and then yeah, get right to work after that. And I work um, anywhere from 8.30, 9.30, kind of depends on how long my workout goes, um, to 3.30 when my my son gets off the bus. And that's pretty much my day. So more than the, the routine, but um, pretty much I just work all day. Yeah, <laughs> that's great to like have a cutoff of, and yeah. then just like then transition back to, you know, family time. That's so important. Yeah, and every day is different. So that's why I'm like, I start working at night or 8.30, 9.30, kind of depends yeah. on the morning and then just work and I don't take any breaks. I'm like a lunatic, one thing to the next. Yeah, and it's it can be very intrinsically motivating when you're doing something that you love so much and not just like, and you know, it's not always, I'm sure you would agree that it's not always perfect. You don't always love every single day, every single hour, but you know, it's just like that overarching that you're under the umbrella of something that you love and fulfills you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and weird things, you know, pop up or things break. I mean, who who knows? Like every yeah. day is different and crazy, but usually it's like meeting, call, meeting, call, like all day yeah. long. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation. There's just so many nuggets of amazing info in here, and I'm sure listeners are going to be reaching out to you because you sound like an awesome coach to work with. So. Um, I just want to commend you for, you know, the work you're doing in the world in this space and it's just so needed. So appreciate you sharing your wisdom with me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. It was fun to have this conversation for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Tina. Well, thank you so much. And we'll be, um, hopefully connecting on the interwebs. Yeah, for sure.